0: Live and
1: festive in the public's Holiday Headquarters studio at
0: WSB. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back.
2: You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.
3: This is Monica Perez, your Libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB, Saturday afternoons. I aim for 3 to 6. Today it's 5 to 7. Depends on UGA sports. I'm happy to make room for, but you just have to try to figure out what I'm going to be on next. You can check out my website, MonicaPerezShow.com, for uh, uh, when my next show is going to be. Next week is Christmas Eve, so Merry Christmas, And I am going to have off and listen to the beautiful music on WSB and the and all the other great programming. And then the next weekend is New Year's Eve. And I will be on from three to six, my normal time with year end show, maybe a little preview of 2017. I might if I'm if I have so much going on in this year in review, I might wait for that till January 7th. But we have a lot of great shows coming up at the end of the year. I am here with my producer Brad Binkley. Hello. Hey hey Binkley, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm hacked. You're hacked? Yeah, I feel hacked. (laughs) Russia did it.
3: (laughs) There are some really hilarious memes going around, like those like one one picture, one frame graphics of like the this is pile of dog poop on the floor. And the dog is pointing to the cat, and the cat is pointing to the mouse, and the mouse is pointing to the bird, and the bird says, Putin did it. (laughs) I don't know why those dumb things just crack me up. But those are the kind of things you can find on uh, my Twitter feed, at Monica Perez Show. But you could also have a more... The stuff I get back on my Twitter feed is of a little higher, (laughs) higher intelligence level. So please tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. And I right before the break, I had a call. I want to respond to that and then get to uh, your calls, 404 750 one 1-800-WSB-TALK. We are talking about the Russian hacking in the short term. It's about the, uh, I think that the Russian hacking scandal is getting a lot of media attention because people want, uh, there's an, a campaign to get the electors tomorrow, uh, Monday, to not vote for Trump, even though, that's what they're mandated to do by their states. And it's really I, I, I always think these things are a lot of, as Putin said, it's like shearing a pig. There's a lot of squealing, but not a lot of wool. <laughs> <laughs> so I always feel like these are that. But then after Trump got elected and I figured Hillary, the insider, is going to get elected, I thought, wow, there's a lot of squealing. And look at all that wool. So I'm changing my whole approach, or I'm proceeding with caution nowadays on what I think is outside the realm of possibility. I would not expect the Electoral College to upend things on Monday, but the hacking thing is important, and the caller before said, how could Russia hack our election? And this is one of the deliberately confusing things that I think is being promoted in the media. It's they, they are not saying that, that the election is actually hacked. There are a couple of real incidences, I think of election hacking. One is I mentioned, and uh, Eric's got to hang on the line. He wants to talk about this too, right after Steve. So you hang on too. Um, That the, Secretary of State of Georgia Brian Kemp has been complaining and wants an investigation because they he he discovered that there were hacks into his electoral system, the roles of voters, registered voters, stuff like that, just information in those databases, which are uh, in computers. And uh, from from the articles I read, he traced it back to a computer and a user who works for the federal government. So that was an attempt to break through their firewalls. That is not what we're talking about here. And and actually, even though I did not like Kerry, so I never believed it at the time, apparently the 2004 Ohio election did—this was the mechanism. This is what the caller was asking about. What's the mechanism? And the mechanism supposedly—and it seems there is some evidence behind it. James Corbett did a good video on this— about in Ohio in twenty two thousand four, 2004 Kerry was actually winning which was evidenced by the uh exit polls but but close to the end of the day the vote counts flipped so that Kerry ended up behind and Bush was winning by around the same I think it was around the same percentage that Kerry had been winning uh before that happened and and there were There's articles written about it, maybe even books written about it. How they actually traced it to a computer kind of clearinghouse where all the counties were send their votes to be tabulated and then sent up to the state's State Department, I guess. So there are ways to do it. But that's not what they're talking about here. All they're talking about is that Russia hacked into uh, uh, some emails, particularly John Podesta's and the the. Democratic National Convention and revealed true information that was in those emails. So by using that real information as propaganda swayed the election against Hillary. And I think they're also being accused of using fake information, putting out um, trolls and fake articles that get picked up all over the place. So what I think the long-term implication of this is, is a lot of different things, but one big thing is going to be uh, an expansion of the total information state so or total information control state. Obama was the surveillance president. I think Trump is being groomed to be, whether he knows it or not, not only the censorship president they're they're going to take this whole fake news thing which results from these accusations against Russia of infiltrating our information flow with fake stuff they're going to use that to censor all alternative narratives but also they're already using it as an excuse to produce counter propaganda of their own so they're going to take all the alternative narratives away and they're going to generate Propaganda narratives themselves. I mean, this is all on the books like these. This is what our lawmakers, federal lawmakers are already talking about. So all of it has is being justified based on this story of Russian hacking, which from my research, from what I've dug into as much as I really can, up to where James Clapper, the director of national intelligence, has put In writing, and there appears to be no solid evidence of anybody breaching firewalls in any uh, official government capacity. And I I think, Binkley, you've done some research on this, too. Have you found anything that makes you feel like there's a smoking gun?
1: No, just Russian trolls and the hacked emails is basically the claim.
3: And haven't you read, as I have, these mainstream media stuff, the stuff we're supposed to trust, Washington Post, New York Times that it, it these articles are described by other media outlets as explosive and disposable I actually heard have you not heard that
1: yeah i saw i've seen news reports too where the person will say nothing and then the other reporter will go that's explosive yeah. and it's like
3: wow what? I I heard a clip, I was in an Uber, I'm not an NPR listener, but he was listening to NPR, and I did not give him less than five stars, even though I was like, this guy's, (laughs) why is he forcing me to listen to this? But it was John McCain, and he said something like, "Uh, I haven't seen any, I mean, this might even be the exact quote, I haven't seen any classified information myself, but I read it in the New York Times, and it must come, they must have gotten it from somewhere. (laughs) I mean, I was like... Wow. So they're at the same time that they're saying we can't have fake news. I, I see this over and over again. They're uh, using this. What is a, a fallacy in, in the debate jargon of an appeal to authority instead of evidence? And they're making us say people have to have the imprimatur, the checkmark, the um, validation of. I mean, I expect an accreditation bureau or a ministry of truth. I've I've seen people refer to. Where uh, you y- you just have to have that mark of approval, the government mark of approval, and that's where how you get validated. Valid. White lab
1: coat. You know, the yes, white lab coat. Your,
3: that's your Edward Bernays, the father of propaganda, yeah, right? Yeah. Wasn't that his just shtick?
1: Put on a white lab coat and people will believe you.
3: And that's how, and he actually did, what was that? I saw him interviewed once, and was it David Letterman who said, oh, Dr. Bernays, what's your... You know, give us your, your shtick in a nutshell or whatever. He said the fact that you called me doctor. Exactly, yeah. Was what? Like, the is is the whole point yeah, of my work? That
1: people call me doctor is where the authority comes from. I'll, I'll find the clip. I'll post it on Twitter.
3: All right, awesome. All right, post it on our, our website, thepropreport.com. I tried to simplify it. Uh, I am going to go to Steve in Atlanta. Steve, you're on with Monica.
0: Hey, Monica. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. I have a question for you. I guess you have to accept two premises first. Um, Let's just accept the fact that Russia did try to affect the election. They didn't hack it, but they intentionally inserted influence to try and sway the election. On the other side, my other premise would be the domestic media actually went further than Russia in trying to sway the election, both in coordination with one political party and independent, with both fake news and influence peddling, etc. And I have an opinion, but which do you think is actually more dangerous, a foreign entity influencing our election or our own media in conjunction with a political party trying to drive the result of a domestic election?
3: Well, I have actually in the past pondered over that because of and there are a lot of parallels here with it. The House on American Activities Committee, the McCarthy era, where he would ask people in Hollywood if they were members of the Communist Party. And my argument was when I was young that so what if they were? you you actually have the freedom to be a member of any party you want. And then the layer that kind of was a stumbling block for me was was when they came out with evidence. I believe it was in the Venona Papers. I read a lot of uh, books at the time about... KGB defectors and everything saying that CPUSA was really an arm of the Russian Communist Party. It was infiltrated. It was controlled by them and that that's not OK. And and my question again was like, but so what? If you if you believe it, if you're going for it and that's how you want to use your vote or your influence, that's the nature of the system. Uh, so, so the idea of an outside influence just being de facto bad—I I think I accept that because they're—it's actually uh, they're trying to undermine our system again, you know, through manipulation. But again, we have to be always so uh, have to have a guard, our guard up against manipulation, whether it's foreign or domestic. And which do I think is worse? I, I feel like when it happens domestically, when your own government is doing it or they're influencing the media to do it, I mean, that really rises to the level of treason. And I'm not saying the media is treasonous, but when these guys in the government feed these false narratives to get an outcome from the election that they that the people, w- a well-informed electorate, would not come up with, that, in my opinion, is is about as bad as you can get. What's your opinion? So, so,
0: so maybe what I, I would agree, and I would say the irony may be that we have an outside entity, a foreign entity, which actually exposed the scenario that you just referred to. Where the domestic media is attempting in conjunction with a sitting party or with a political party to actually try and misinform the electorate to get an outcome that they desire.
3: I'm going to have to... Let that marinate as I go to this break, Steve. So let me get think about that a little bit. I'm going to get to Eric after the break and uh, I've got time for more calls. 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB-TALK This is Monica Perez. It's a house. A
0: house. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB.
3: We are... Talking about the Russian hacking, I have a response to Steve who called before saying even if Putin, I think I got this right, even if Putin did reveal uh, other people up to no good, like the DNC trying to manipulate the election, isn't that kind of a good thing? It would be, except for, of course, he would only be manipulating it for his own purposes. So let's try to get to a little bit more about that at the bottom of the hour. I want to go to Eric and Conyers. Eric, you're on with Monica. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for calling. What do you got? Um, um, the, I think the with the hacking going on
2: with the Georgia Secretary of State's office that you know, and I really do thank WSB TV for definitely exposing that story.
3: Yes, I was very I was super happy with that. I love real news.
2: <laughs> and then the thing I would wonder is if if Georgia's congressional delegation and two US senators um, along with Secretary Kemper calling for some kind of investigation to get to the bottom of this and to point out something else besides Georgia, it is believed to have happened in Kentucky and West Virginia as well.
3: Oh, yeah. I didn't see that. I know that two states did not accept the federal government's help, and I I just forget what the other state was, and I was wondering if they also experienced these hacking.
2: Well, I think WSB tv had said something about Kentucky and West Virginia as well, but
3: yeah, I'll have to dig into it. I I only I, I, I it's really an ongoing story, which I am happy WSB is covering it, so I'm gonna continue to follow it, and I love that this guy is standing his ground, Brian Kemp, because they gave him what seems like a cock and bull story that this you know oh he was just uh it was a mistake he didn't mean to do it he wasn't really trying to hack it that's just what it looks like when you he was just trying to use your login just to see if it would work like it was a so crazy story and he's like yeah let's uh let's hold off on any judgment and he did appeal to Trump so let's see if that if that bears fruit that would be great
0: uh,
3: anyway, understandable. So- yeah, so we'll thank you. So we will keep up on that story, and I'll post stuff on my Facebook page, my website. I post daily, or between Binkley and I, we post daily on the com. and we do a little show offline on uh, also called well the called the Propaganda Report, where we get into these topics in more depth. It's a little hard to do in the fast pace uh, on air. Uh, pace, but we do get to a lot more off the air. It is, the forecast is 62 tomorrow with a high um, overnight of 59 rain likely. Weekend Weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. You can give me a call, 404 872 750
1: 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Live. And festive in the public's Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. You
0: maniacs!
1: You blew it up!
0: Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750. WSB.
3: I am your libertarian voice on WSB every Saturday afternoon, usually from 3 to 6. Tonight I'm on from... Five to seven. So we're in the home stretch, but we're talking about the Russian hacking and the short and long term goals of that hope to still get to the long term goals of it. But one of the things that it's the big thing in the short run is that it's being used as an excuse to encourage electors to become what they call faithless electors to turn from the person they are mandated to vote for, in this case, Trump and uh, either not vote for Trump or vote for Hillary. And uh And the Russian hacking has been blamed for that. So what we're hearing is that Russia hacked into emails of the Democratic National Convention and John Podesta and revealing the bad things those people were up to had made the election that people actually vote against Hillary. So what that really is isn't they call it hacking and they make it sound like it's an election hacking into the election but it's really not what it was was using hacks of real information to to shape opinion that I don't even think they did it I don't even think it was Russia who did it but but the but what were what the scandal is really about Russia's uh, use uh, there being alleged use of propaganda in this country and Steve and earlier Kohler brought up that that happens in this country itself. And isn't that worse? And I have to say, when I saw that the origin of all this stuff, all these innuendos about Russia and no evidence, was James Clapper, who is the director of national intelligence. He was a he was an absolute admitted perjurer in front of Congress. He said that they were not collecting uh, uh, data on you know mass data on U.S. citizens, and that absolutely was proven to be not true. And my my observation, or or this is an example of why I absolutely cannot accept when I read primarily in the mainstream media, because they're the only ones who get away with it, a source, a government source unauthorized to comment or who remains nameless. Anonymous sources to me, they might as well all be James Clapper, who has no credibility. When you see that, you have to wonder who it is. It's either somebody with credibility who is going to own it or it isn't, in which case it could just be lies. And these guys are obviously... Not above lying. And I want to make one point I've been reading. I always read mid 20th century stuff. I like to read stuff from uh, that period of transition when we kind of, you know, that whole from the 20th century is when we really kind of gave up on the American experiment, in my opinion, and there was still a fight going on in books back then. And Binkley here has turned me onto a few books from the think tanks who, I, in my opinion, were leading the charge on changing our mentality. There's a lot of evidence of that stuff. I wish I could get into it all right now, but what they but they go uh, into how they are going to change the world or have world government or whatever, but they at least play, pay lip service to wanting harmony and peace uh stability and justice in this country they at least pay lip service to it and my impression is from from those days that if you went out there and agitated the public if you were a politician who's that irresponsible that you would throw out innuendos i mean mccarthy is a dirty word because joe mccarthy said what turned out to be valid true stuff which was revealed when the kgb files were opened in the venona papers but he didn't have the evidence and he was brought down. He really, uh, I don't know if he died of alcoholism, but whatever, it was the end of him. And by coincidence, Roy Cohn was his lawyer, and he was also Donald Trump's lawyer later. So there's this new McCarthyism coming up, which is kind of interesting, where the left is actually leading the charge against people for uh, having foreign influence, and they would always decry McCarthyism. But but what I'm thinking about is the tone that the government or the media would, or not the media, but that that these people who are supposed to be statesmen would actually agitate the crowd uh, to me this blatantly is really a, ba- a bad sign nothing new but it was it, it's a departure from uh, a more I think responsible history but the fact that the airwaves are being inundated by the FBI guys by the CIA guys all these intelligence guys telling us trust us we've seen the information trust us and it reminds me of some, I guess, Colin Powell saying, you know, trust us that Iraq has weapons of mass destruction, that kind of thing. And Binkley, I think you were telling me that there that they that there actually was a defined effort to influence the public,
1: uh, yes, by
3: using people who you know government agents. Is that
1: voices correct? of authority is what they call the technique, and it was a pen, it was called the Pentagon Military Analyst Program, and its its number one goal was. The first task it was assigned to was to convince the American public that Saddam Hussein was a danger to the U.S. and a threat to world peace.
3: What and what time frame was that? This was
1: between 2002 and 2008.
3: Okay, so it was after 9-11, and it was used to turn that fear, that anxiety, towards Saddam Hussein, who had nothing to do with 9-11. Right,
1: but the program, they were putting it together before 9-11. So they had already started putting the program together before...
3: Oh, yeah, there is that Project for a New American Century said we need a new Pearl Harbor exactly. to promote uh, regime change in Iraq. Yeah. It was mean, something crazy like that. That was from 2000, but, but you're saying it was even before that, right?
1: Yeah, they started putting it together, uh, I think, early in 2001. So it wasn't before 2000, but it was before the September 11th attacks. And what their objective was in doing this was to to recruit what they called key influencers or key influentials to help sell a wary public on the possible invasion of Iraq. And they were going to do this by spreading the spreading the talking points um, through retired generals who were decorated war um, war veterans, and they were going to send them to Fox, CBS, and all the networks, and they were going to spread basically a scripted talking point across every single network.
3: You know, I'll, I'll tell you, when I hear these guys talking, I never hear evidence. I never, ever... I was even reading... Uh, an article, oh, by Gary Kasparov, was that his name, is it, a chess guy turned whatever commentator, uh, he was the Russian chess champion, and he wrote an article today in the Wall Street Journal, now he's not a general or whatever, but he was just said all this bad stuff about Putin, but there was no specifics at all it was obviously just an attempt to create emotion based on it started with i know i was there i'm the one who knows trust me trust me trust me and that kind of stuff just makes me if there's evidence why don't you write it down why don't you give me the specifics
1: and another another interesting thing in this one is one of the one of the generals that was involved in spreading the information he called this a he called this a psyop on steroids and this was targeting the american people were the target of it
3: Yeah. And that for me, this when you're saying it called the voice of authority, I actually never even heard that before. But I've noticed this whole that's that seems to be what they're aiming to achieve is to eliminate our critical thinking processes altogether and defer them. And actually, when I started this show, it's like, wow, I'm not an expert on anything. How am I going to? Really, you know, I, what can I possibly talk about? I'm not an expert in anything. And I thought, you know what? I, I'm just a voter and, and I need to be informed on what I have authority to vote on, which is why I don't want the government to do anything that the people are not competent to evaluate, which is the nature of our extremely limited government. And that's why we can't build empire. Because you can't have that as a democracy. Exactly, a and the
1: goal of propaganda is to do the opposite of that, to short-circuit the, the, the critical thinking and to make people make emotional decisions and, and herds.
3: Well, I hope that <laughs> there's, there's still a fighting chance. I mean, I, I feel like hopefully our love of liberty and our ability to reason and know right from wrong will forever defeat them or at least kick the can down the road to those who would be... Uh, you know, despots. It's harder in Inner democracy. Spock
1: will shine through. Oh, what? Inner Spock will shine through. The
3: inner Spock, yes, I I am a huge fan of Mr. Spock and his logic. But, anyway, let me get to some calls. I'm going to Alan and Marietta. Hi, Alan. You're on with Monica.
2: I think it's the press that she's actually using the press as a reliable source instead of using the factual documents. Like Clapper, I mean, I know, you know, he's going to be gone when the Trump administration gets in there. He's just trying to cover himself, so when he gets fired, he can say, well, they're just trying to cover it all up. So that's why... Yeah, that's a good...
3: That's an interesting prediction. But yeah, I mean, when John McCain referred to a New York Times article, it was hard to shock me, but I was shocked. I was like, "Are, are you serious? And then I looked. I went through... Wikipedia, which says it lays it all out, had fifty or hundred footnotes, whatever, and I just started clicking through all of the articles to to follow the trail. And it, it, lately, I've been doing that, and boy, do I end up with a big bag and nothing because there is so often very it's little scary. evidence. Yes, it is. You know, they make up their own stories,
2: and 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 they expect us to believe it because it was it was in the New York Times, so it must be true.
3: And what's funny, Alan, is that in in the past several years people in the somewhat alternative media i mean i'm gonna count myself in that number just because i don't take uh, the mainstream media at face value i actually look for narratives that make sense and are supported by evidence but it, people would always call that the fake news i mean that's what was the fake news was the was the <laughs> was the mainstream media because they would just make stuff up and nobody would ever call them on it and now There's they're turning that off. narrative around
2: Big problem. Say it again? You have all these uh, Democrats who lost the election, who are now unemployed, and have nothing to do, and have all this time on their hands.
3: That's interesting, and I wonder if it's going... I I thought... One of the reasons I thought Hillary was going to win was that she would be needed to silence the anti-war Left, And then I realized that the whole theme, I, I think I'm touching on this in the beginning of this segment where I said, you know, in the old days, you wanted to keep stability or at least pay lip service to it. Now it's clear to me they want conflict. They like the conflict and it's working for them somehow. But I'll say, know. you know, and that's the problem is that that maybe the, all these people on the left with time on their hands, why are, are they're being agitated deliberately? You know, by George Soros and stuff like these protesters, there are little handbooks on how to protest around the world, and I think they're here too.
2: And the media keeps feeding these stories, and it keeps wiling them up. They and do, it's and it's like a perpetual, you know, let's, let's let's keep them mad, let's keep them mad. That way, you know, it's just. I'm sorry, but it's it's just stupid and silly to me. You know, get some common sense, grow up, and you know, state the truth and facts, and
3: move on. I know. I still have hope for that, but I want to say. What I think is a uh, I feel like since it's such a struggle and people see through it. They must be having a hard time with really jamming it all down our throats. But I had a new insight because of this Russian thing of maybe what uh, one of the long term goals of this Russian psyop. If Hillary, I thought that Hillary would prosecute the wars in the Middle East, of course, uh, like everybody does. And she but she would have a little bit of left cover because she could say, I don't just want to kill Muslims. I love Muslims. I have to kill them because for their own good or whatever. That that was my vision of how she was gonna do it. Now I'm looking and thinking maybe this Rex Tillerson thing, Trump in bed with Russia, that's gonna give that administration right cover for bombing the Middle East because they'll say, hey man, we don't hate Russia. We're not just in the mix in Syria uh, for to compete with Russia on gas pipelines. We can cut deals with them. We're there to save those poor people, or we're there to establish order, or whatever. That that you know, I was just trying to puzzle through why this dialectic about Russia, where half the country thinks Putin's evil, and we're on the verge of World War Three, and then, uh, but the Trump. Story is that those guys are are all good with Russia, and I thought maybe that would be a way, kind of the flip side of the Hillary thing, to go in and say, "Hey, man, we're not antagonistic towards Russia. We're not looking for World War III. We just have to do it because this is, you know, all uh, we're just practical. We're practical about it, and you can't just let oil fall into the wrong hands. You've got to get in there and use troops and increase defense spending." I, I just see this inflating before we know it into a uh you know just a predictable continuation of the endless war so that's uh, i think i'm going to talk more about what i think is coming down the pipe and that stuff in my end of year beginning of the year show so december 31st and then january 7th uh so i'm going to mull that over and wrap this up after the break. This is Monica Perez.
2: Look, just put your little hand back in the cash register and give me my $2.75 back, please. Brad.
0: Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB.
3: That totally cracks me up. That's for you, Brad. Brad Binkley. We actually do... So if you want to hear more from Brad, who doesn't say much on air... But he's he's busy producing, doing producer stuff. We also do a show, uh, basically to fill in the gaps when this show isn't on, called The Propaganda Report, which you can find at thepropreport.com or propagandareportdaily.com, whichever is easier to remember. They all lead to that. And one of the episodes we did, episode four, was called The Strategy of Tension. And let me read to you, uh, quote from that episode i had found a discussion of this uh regarding a project called operation gladio where the u.s and the atlanticist powers had a stay behind operation where people stayed behind in europe to disrupt democratic processes to make sure communists didn't win and they actually killed people And blame the terrorism on the communists. They were true false flag operations. And here's what it said was the point. The so-called strategy of tension was a campaign designed to lead to a breakdown of law and order. And consequent collapse of public confidence in democratically elected government. Precipitating a takeover by the army. And we did that show on September 27th. And I was just talking about the black versus blue thing. The Black Lives Matters thing. That we were, uh, there was a breakdown in our faith in government, but this is what's happening now is even more on point with that. So what I see with this whole our own government putting innuendos out there to get us at each other's throats to feel like the election is not legitimate really undermines faith in our own system and then i worry when you see generals taking high-ranking positions the secretary of defense is a a general who's so close in times having been in the military is actually technically not even qualified to be secretary of defense we're supposed to separate that stuff out that could be dangerous and all these calls for federalizing the police i mean this stuff uh it doesn't point in a good direction ah we're running out of time binkley where can people find uh these videos and um podcasts we do
1: the like you said, or The Propaganda Report Daily. And subscribe to us on iTunes. You see the little, little uh, click button there on the right. And that's it.
3: Okay, that's great. We will be back not next week. Merry Christmas to you on that. And I'm super excited for uh, the season. We will be back New Year's Eve, December 31st from 3 to 6. This is Monica Perez.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.